All right, I'm V.O. Cox. I'm an artist, and uh, we're out here at my studio talking today. And so Rachel asked me if I wanted to come out and visit for a while, and I said, yeah, I'd love it. So here we are. I feel like the first thing that we're most familiar with you is probably your screen doors. Mm-hmm. Tell us about those. Um, I, I've done those for 25 years. It's a 25-year series, and uh, maybe 27. I've lost count over the years. But I did my first screen door in 1991 when I was getting ready to graduate college. And a lot of people don't know this, but I was actually flunking painting class. I had an F. Um, the instructor was a wonderful instructor. He's a very talented man, but he was teaching the painting technique like the grid system. And uh, it just wasn't working for me. I wanted to be a little more free and... and I just so I started skipping class I didn't go to class and um, the a woman named Queen Victoria with Miss Annie Abrams mother actually she and my grandmother were very good friends and I gave her a ride home from my grandmother's house one day and I saw that she had her son Richard had taken her screen door off and put it beside her house because he had replaced it it was an old door and it just hit me. My juries were coming up. I was about to flunk painting class. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm never going to graduate if I flunk, paint, flunk painting class. And so I said, can I have that screen door? I have this great idea. And she goes, well, sure. And I said, can I take a picture of you behind your new screen door with your hand up? And she goes, sure. And then I got her permission to paint her. So I skipped three more classes. <laughs> And painted her and took the door in, and the juries gave me an A. They overrode the F. And I entered it in the Arkansas Art Competition. That wasn't the Delta, the one a Delta thing back then. Uh, it was a statewide competition only, and I took second place in it. And the rest is history. I started telling the stories of the South through those doors. Are they all people you know? or No, very few of them are people I know, very few. And if I do paint someone I know, it's very, very dear to me. It's, it's really personal. So I would get uh, some images. I would get some images from the Library of Congress that didn't have any restrictions on them. Uh, I would use an arm here, you know, a face here, that kind of thing. But what I noticed about most of the images that I was using, some I just made up, but the photographs that I saw, the, the really old photographs, I noticed just the strength and determination in their face. And it was almost like I knew them because, I mean, I've, I've felt that, you know, before. So... Yeah, they were real. They were, it's a real personal series, and I still have one over here in my studio that's one of my last pieces of a man in Arkadelphia that my grandfather used to go hunting and fishing with him when I was a child. So I don't do them as much anymore. I've been going more off into uh, sculptural work and activism art and things like that. But, um, yeah, the screen doors there. I've got one in the Morris Museum of Art, and President Clinton has one, and some of the top, top collectors around the country have them. It's interesting because I think that the next series people are familiar with you that you've done is the the end hate doors. Mm-hmm. So is there a correlation between doors and doors? You know, I really like doors, and I'll tell you, and it's weird you say that. I haven't really told anyone this because um, no one's ever asked, really. My grandmother raised me, and she was a wonderful lady, a second-grade school teacher in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, and everyone loved her. She was like an angel walking on earth. But I remember when I was young, and I asked her, I said, uh, I called her Mama, and I said, Mama, I said, are you afraid to die? And she says, well, I know. And I said, well, I'm afraid to die. Why aren't you afraid? And she goes, well, honey, it's like walking through a door. And I've never forgotten that. I thought, we walk through doors every single day. We walk through doors of our house. We walk through doors of our jobs. We walk through doors when our children are born. We walk through doors when people we know die. We walk through doors. And it's just been a very symbolic 
thing for me ever since then. So tell us about if, if that theme and that sentiment is there, what did the screen doors, what kind of portal are they, and then what are the end hate doors? Well, the screen doors were more of the story of the South. You know, um, I had the best of both worlds. I had a, a country set of grandparents who taught me how to whittle and swim in a creek, and my grandfather played the fiddle, you know, and, and all this stuff. I would run around in the woods all the time. And then on the other side of the family, I had grandparents that went to college, you know, and, and they did different things. And so I felt like I had the best of both worlds. And I wanted to portray that through those screen doors because everyone, regardless of what side of the family you came from or anything, remembers the old screen door slamming behind you as you run out the door. And I could almost hear that in my head when I would create these sometimes because they were fond memories of when I was a child. And so I wanted those to tell the story of the South. And then the end hate doors, I had those doors in my head two years before I ever created them because I started just noticing some things in our society. And so I actually had those sketched out, and then I, I had a computer rough of them. And when HB 1228 made it out of committee, which I could not, that was just ridiculous. I should Explain have never. Explain what that is. Uh, that was a, it was a discriminatory bill, basically. Um, it was a RIFRA bill, a religious freedom bill, that was written so poorly and so vaguely that it would have, uh, it could have denied health care for LGBT people. It could have brought back Jim Crow laws overnight, even for African Americans. Uh, according to your sincerely held religious beliefs, uh, somebody could deny you a sandwich. They could deny, deny you gasoline. They could deny you services. They could also deny you medical care. And it was just ridiculous. It was ludicrous and ridiculous. And so at that point, it not only startled me, I thought in my 50-something years of life, I would have never in a million years dreamed that anybody in this day and age would have even remotely thought of something like that to try to bring back. And I knew then it was time to paint those doors. And so I painted them, and I barely remember putting them in the back of the vehicle, a truck at the time, to take them down to the state capitol. I got permission. I got a permit. And, and set them up just because I felt like that was my loudest voice. Uh, artists tend to be a little bit of closeted, you know, introverts at times. Um, but I thought it was very, very important. I have a very diverse group of friends. Uh, I'm gay. Uh, I have a lot of black friends. I have Muslim friends. I have a lot of different friends. I have atheist friends. I have Baptist friends. I have a, a wide range of friends, and I love them all. And they love me. And I don't see what the big deal is, you know? I really don't. So I stuck those doors up there because I wanted people to look at these doors. We have been down this road before. We have separated people before, and it ended badly. It was a bad, bad thing. And so I wanted people to remember. If they didn't remember their history or they weren't born, I remember some of those days when I was young. I remember when the first African-American child came to my first grade class. I remember the race riots in the 70s. I remember these things. And... Uh, I just wanted, if people have, if they were young enough to where they didn't know those days, I wanted them to know about them. And the ones that did know about them, I wanted them to remember them. And that's what I hope the doors had done. And they, they really were powerful. Explain to people what the doors look like. They're not, they're <clears throat> not on canvas. They're actual doors. No, they're real doors. doors. Yeah, Explain they're doors. the different kinds of doors and what they would look like <clears throat> for someone who hadn't seen them. Um, I had, uh, six at the beginning. I believe it was six. I need to pull up on my website and look because I've added one and I'm thinking about adding another one. I'm very seriously considering adding another one. 
but uh, one said whites only, one said colored only, just like the discriminatory doors of our past. And then I added an LGBT only. And then I added an immigrant only, a homeless only. I remember a story of seeing a story on television where a homeless man had been killed by some teenagers just because they felt like it. And I thought, what is happening to our humanity? We've lost our humanity, you know, our civility. These are important things to me. They're much more important than any other rules and laws and things like that. Those are the two just foundation things that we have got to keep intact with us. And uh, then an immigrant only, and that was very important to me too. And when I, when, when I put these doors up on the state capitol steps, and they were, they were time period doors, they were from the 50s, and they were very heavy. And I learned very quickly I should have joined a gym. <laughs> Um, but I met a veterans advocate named Carlos when I had the doors up there, and he was telling me just horror stories of the struggles that the vets were going through when they came back and how they were being discriminated against with housing, employment, uh, mental health especially, things like that. So I decided I was going to take the doors on up to D.C. at the time since the RIFRA bills were becoming kind of a trend nationwide. So I applied for a permit with the National Park Service, and I did do the veterans door, and I'm, I'm very thankful that I did, because when we took them up there, um, the honor flight was there, and there are a lot of World War II and you know Korean War veterans and things like that, and they just grabbed, they're in wheelchairs, and they're just wheeling over to these doors. It was, it was one of the most powerful moments of my life. It was very, very powerful. I uh, met an ex-Klansman. I don't know if you'd heard that story. Um, I took Paula Morrell with me, and she was re doing some recording stories, you know, tales from the South kind of thing. And she brought a guy over to me and said, uh, this gentleman wants to talk to you. And I've had gang training. I've worked with incarcerated youth and gangs and things like that. And so I know the tattoos. I know what they look like. I know, you know, white supremacy. I know all that stuff. And this guy, I swear, was like six foot four, and he had white supremacist tattoos all over his body. And he was wearing a black shirt had this woman with him. She was dressed all in black, and I thought, oh, no, this is not going to be good. <laughs> and he walked up in one of the quietest voices I've ever heard. He shook my hand, and he said, I want to thank you for what you're doing. And I was stunned. And he said, I was born in the Klan in South Georgia. My father and my brother are still in the Klan in South Georgia. He said, my wife and I decided to, to flee Georgia under the cover of darkness to move here to D.C., because my son is transgender and they were going to kill him. And I went, wow. And he said, uh, I've now decided to become a man of peace and I'm getting my tattoos removed. And I thought, if this man can change his heart, anybody can. Anybody can. So it was a very powerful day. I met more people like that. I met some people from Jordan. Uh, we agreed to never show the photographs we took of them because they asked us not to. They can be killed in their country for talking out against the government. Uh, extremists, you know, will target them. And so, but they were talking about discrimination in their country. It's just been a huge social lesson for me along the way. I learn things every day. And it's, it's been real interesting. But the doors are very powerful. People really, they resonated with people. Did you get any kind of reaction from our legislators here or our community here? What was their response? Uh, the response was overwhelmingly positive. Um, I had one, and I'm not going to mention their names, but I know who they are, and they know I know who they are. Um, one legislator ran past me and said, uh, well, I'm not going to go over there and talk to her. She'll probably punch me in the mouth. And I'm like, 
that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, be a big boy. You can be a grown-up and come over here. You don't have to come over at all, but to run by and say something so childish, I thought was very silly. Um, there was another, actually, there was another uh, representative that came up, and he had his granddaughters with him. He was, uh, he was very nice, and he was a Republican, I might add. Uh, he wanted me to tell them about the days of when people were separated. I thought that was a very, very nice thing, you know, that he did. And, you know, we may disagree on, on certain issues, but the fact that he is teaching the, you know, teaching the lessons of hatred and how wrong they are to his grandchildren, uh, I will respect that man forever for that. I thought that was a grandfatherly thing to do, and it was the right thing to do, and I, I think very highly of him, you know, for that. And then another, one other uh, representative ran by and said, where's my door? And I looked at him and I, he, yeah, he was alluding to the fact that he was a white male. And I'm like, there's a, there's a whites only door right here, man. If you really want to see, you know, your door, you got to have your own door. And to me, that just showed how powerful they were because it bothered him. And if he felt you know, ostracized somehow, some way by this, this body of work. That's the whole point. We don't want people to feel ostracized. And so I only had two guys kind of be childish. And one man really stood tall to me that day. I'll never forget who he was. I'm not gonna mention his name. I think there's just some things you keep to yourself as an artist. Are those doors going to be touring more, or do they have plans for the future? Yes, they're right now. They're in a storage-controlled unit, and I mean a climate—sorry, a climate-controlled storage unit in Queens, New York. Um, they just had a four-month uh, exhibition in New York, and I've got some other things lined up too that I'm still negotiating. Them in April, they'll be coming back here to Fayetteville. Uh, they'll be displayed in Fayetteville for a month. And then I've got some other things going on too. So they're they're really picking up a little bit as far as different places they're going to be exhibited. Were those the first really political work you made? Yes, yeah, they really were. And my life changed very quickly after that. Um, you know, on social media back in the day, I would post pictures of my food and my cats, which I still do from time to time. Um, but you know, everything changed after that. And, and something changed inside of me after that. I felt very different. You know, I felt more empowered. I felt very humbled. I've, I've learned a whole lot uh, the past two years. I've seen the best of people and I've seen the worst of people. So it, it brings you very, very down. It, I mean, it brings you down sometimes because you think, oh my gosh, I can't believe people are acting this way. I mean, what's the point? And then I meet other people that make me feel like there's so much hope in the world that it just makes me get up and go at it again the next day. And I just think that this is the path I'm supposed to be on. I, I, I don't believe in coincidence. I never have. And so I think everything happens the way it's, I don't know if it's, it's always that way with other people, but it's always been in my life to where I try to get a lesson, maybe I should put it that way, from everything that comes my way. And this has definitely been a lesson. It's been a great journey. And I hope at some point that I have made people think twice about things. You know, I hope that other people are learning things too. And we all learn together. No one's perfect. You know, I'm a firm believer in compromise sometimes as long as it doesn't infringe on somebody else's rights. Uh, but I just, I will never be silent when I think that somebody has, is being treated badly. I just can't do that. I'm not going to do that. So...